Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield and Next Pro, podcasting to you from my very windy field here in beautiful rural Ireland. That's not farm machinery you can hear in the background. That is the uh, natural force of whatever is happening out there, so do bear with me. I'm Trev Denny and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Bournemouth nil, Liverpool 4 in the Premier League from wherever it is Bournemouth play are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett and Dave that's as consummate an away performance as you are ever wanting to see. It was wonderful, top to bottom. People may be frustrated with the first half, but we didn't cough up any great chances. Uh, it's as good an away performance at this stage of the season, given the absences and all the rest of the various factors, as you could wish for, I think. Yeah, I don't really understand why people would be overly frustrated with the first half. I mean... We're missing a bunch of players. We've got an, an entirely new right-hand side that hasn't played together before. We're playing in what appeared to be a gale force wind in the first half that was behind our backs as well. And as we know, one of the, the weapons we use is long passing to try and get our wide players in behind or switch the play. And balls were getting hung up in the air. They were catching in the wind and they were traveling further than than they were meant to. So it all did contribute to that first half. But, you know, they had a good five minutes and then they were bright for the last five minutes. But I thought in between that, we largely controlled that first half and played some good football and got ourselves into some good positions. And it was just, you know, the final ball wasn't quite good. You also have to give credit to them. They're a good team. I know they're Bournemouth. And I know people have this thing in their head that, oh, we should just, you know, we'd be wiping the floor with these teams. In the form table, over the last 10 games, which is half the season so far, they had matched us for points and goal difference. So they're a good team. They're not some dross. They're a good team. And we went there, we controlled the first half for the most part, and in the second half we showed our quality and we score four goals don't concede any barely give up anything really they got a couple of half chances late on on breakaways the Kiefer Moore one the the David Brooks one but you know there's just there's nothing to nitpick from that performance today and there's so many things to be positive here 
about because not only do we win, not only do we score four goals and keep a clean sheet, Nunes gets two goals under his belt. That will boost his confidence. Jota gets two more. He's in very good form. We see another good performance from Connor Bradley. And then we get to see Owen Beck, Cade Gordon and Bobby Clark all coming on in the Premier League and getting valuable minutes under their belts, valuable experience. And I'm not really sure. The only the only potential negative is the Curtis Jones injury. If that is anything more than just he felt something as a precaution, he went down, they took him off. Hopefully that's the case, that it's just a precaution. But everything else about today, we should be really, really positive about. That's the type of win that's a marker by a team aiming to win the Premier League this season. And there's nothing much, as you say, that we can do about random happenstance like the injuries or potential injuries. We also would have a very big concern heading us about the welfare of Ibu Kanate for the next game, given he went down with what looked like a sore one towards the end, but struggled to get back up as well. Who knows what's going to happen when he cools down there. So we have to be wary of that. The only other thing I would say that maybe is was causing people tension, because it was causing me a little bit of irritation, was the spectacular awfulness of um, Andy Madley, Paul Tierney and their PGMOL chums today. A, a, a display for the ages in terms of um, just uh, real yeah. awfulness, uh, we have to, we'd have to say. I, I, I would- I would think, now, we we don't normally do uh, parent watch on post-match Raw, but I do think that we need to look into the parenting methods of mother and father, Madley, who managed to raise not one, but two young men who decided that the path they wanted to take in life was to become referees and both be absolutely awful at it. So I do think, perhaps, mother and father, Madley, you are on parent watch Uh, We'll be sending the authorities around to to question you on the decisions that you've made in raising those two complete gobshites. But Paul Tierney, I mean, I don't know how many times we need to have this guy involved in one of our matches and have him make decisions like he makes before Jürgen and, and the powers that be at Anfield have to call Howard Webb to a meeting and run him through the tape of all of these decisions. Like... That foul by uh, Justin Clivert on Luis Diaz is a straight red card. And he cleared and checked, uh, checked and cleared it within about 10 seconds. Yeah. That's far worse than the one that Curtis Jones was sent off for earlier this season. Far worse than the Alexis one. He sent off again this season. He will get an extra game ban because that red card still sits on his record. So he will still get punished at one game suspension if he gets sent off again for that one. And like that could have cost us in that game. I know it didn't ultimately, but it could have cost us. We have been screwed over, over and over again by officials this season. And, you know, everybody's talking about one defeat in 31. But what was that defeat? What is that one defeat in 31? It's one of the most incompetent displays of officiating you're ever likely to see. And today we've had another moment with Paul Tierney, and whichever the Madleys it is, I don't really care. They're both crap. Like that, that is horrendous. He waved play on, and then the other idiot cleared it within 10 seconds. And we'll say nothing about the uh, issues we'll speak about later on. I will save them for later. 
I'm convinced it's two penalties. We'll see what you mm. guys think when we get there. And Carl, to, to bring you in, and I'm, I'm I'm reluctant to do so to 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 ruin um uh, your your uh, lovely week from what I've been following via your Instagram uh, with uh, mundanity like um, analysis of football matches, but. You must have been quite pleased uh, that that's what you came back to in terms of the proficiency of the Reds display. And like I said, with the, you know, slight asides of stuff that we can't really control, in other words, uselessness by uh, officials and uh, the, um, you know, randomness uh, of uh, injuries occurring. It's it's it was a real win overall in the broader sense of the word of, of a performance um, as well as a result was. It just had that lovely feel to it. And I think, you know, just to factor in what Dave was saying there, if it hadn't been for that one uh, um, result that he mentioned where, you know, officials cost us the points, there'd be a whole different narrative, I think, floating around this Liverpool team. Now, it's possibly just as well that that narrative isn't floating around in terms of pressure. But as we go five points clear now, I think there's something about this side that they're starting to wear it reasonably comfortably. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I would also extend that through, you know, the, uh, was it Toulouse where we had a, a goal disallowed, uh, Quances sort of smashed mm. into the back of the net. Yeah. Really, really, again, frankly, bizarre decision from the official uh, to, to cancel it out. So I do think that we've we've been very, very close to being... We've got one legitimate defeat this yeah, season. The Union one, right? That was the yeah. we, we can't really say we should have been, we shouldn't have been punished in some sort of way there. Um, I, I agree with what you've just said, actually, Trev. In terms of like the Spurs one in particular, it's probably for the better that we aren't unbeaten at this stage of the season, just because that's one extra thing. You know, it was only like what maybe six, seven, eight weeks back, something like that, that we kind of went second, and people went, oh. Where did they come from? You know, it seemed like it was only supposed to be about Man City and Arsenal this season. And, you know, we'd actually been more consistent than them up to that point. And we're playing probably slightly better than them going into the Christmas period as well. So um, I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, I think today, like both of you have already detailed, that was uh, as much of a controlled and overall excellent away performance that you're, you're likely to see at this stage, especially with you know, cups and rotations and weeks off and all the rest of it coming into play. Very, very few teams are playing what they would normally consider their strongest uh, 11 at this point. And I think that that's as good an away performance as we've really seen this season, even from Liverpool, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on them like in more detail as we go on, but just in terms of an overall uh, picture, I think that today might have been the best defensive partnership performance that I've seen in quite a long time as well. Like obviously we can have individuals at the back being great game to game, but for both of them to play in tandem as well as they did today is, is quite a rare occurrence just because of the way that matches usually pan out or how teams attack you or anything like that. So for, for the actual duality of our defensive pair today, I, it was just phenomenal to watch, to be honest. It sure is, um, and especially given that I learned only during the week from the football guru there is Ali McCoy that Liverpool have never had a solid defensive partnership. Um, so that was quite um, um, distressing for me to realise that uh, when Ali told me. Um, so yeah, it's nice to see uh, that we had two lads who actually did a decent job together. And we will get in, no doubt, to the individual performances. How could we not as we go through the details? But maybe I might just stay with you really quickly 
quickly, uh, Carl, to look at the Liverpool lineup. Um, and of course, feel free to chime in on um, Bournemouth when I get there with Dave as well. But just in terms of the way we went today, I think, you know, there was, <laughs> let's just say, limited options available to the manager, uh, which makes this all the better, really. It still looked like quite a solid uh, lineup, Bradley being obviously the newbie there and Gomez playing uh, very much out of position at left back. But with the two lads in the middle, who you've already mentioned, and Alisson behind them, you'd, you'd be quite content with that unit. And really, the wasn't a whole lot of options like I said um, he went with Elliot in midfield alongside McAllister and Jones who I think everyone would have picked it was probably a matter of whether Gravenberg would get his game or not and then he went with the obvious tree, uh, uh, trio up top of uh, Jota, Nunes and Diaz and so when you're looking at the bench there, it really is only Cody Gakpo and Ryan Gravenberg that are, uh, and Jarrell Kwanzaa, to be fair, uh, because of his wonderful form when he has played this season, who are kind of nominal first-teamers. We had alongside them Adrian Kelleher, Beck, McConnell, Clark. Um, so again, um, very much uh, a uh, injury hit and absence hit squad. I don't think he could probably have done a whole lot different with the team, although probably that one area uh, focusing mostly on is it Harvey Elliott or is it Gravenberg was the one that possibly may have been, uh, I suppose, a bit of a head scratcher if you want to go down that route. Did you think maybe Gakpo deserves his game or were you happy enough with what you saw when you saw the lineup? Yeah, I was happy with this 11, to be honest. I think Elliot, it was quite important for him to be able to get a run of starts while Salah's away, uh, while Sobosly's obviously out injured. He's been a really good, um, important player for us off the bench this season. And I do think it's important from a, an overall squad perspective that when people do that, when people have an impact like that, you do give them starting opportunities as well. Nobody wants to really be that, you know, super sub, the first off the bench kind of thing. So you've got to give them the opportunity to win a place in the team. So I'm fine with him having come into the 11. Um, I don't really like Gakpo as a as a central midfield option, to be perfectly honest. The only way I would have wanted him to come in is if maybe we were switching to a 4-2-3-1. Um, but that was improbable, I think, for, for a game like this. Like Dave said, they've been in really, really good form. Second only behind us in the in the recent form table as well. Um, so, yeah, I think this was the exact right lineup, to be honest. I think Bradley has probably deserved to stay in the team from, from his couple of cameos that he's had. This was a first Premier League appearance for him. So it was you know quite an important game milestone wise in his career. Uh, and I think the rest of the team pretty much picked itself. Yeah, it's a very interesting um, uh, thing to note as we go through and, and something we should not lose. I saw a couple of seconds of his post-match interview and he was anxious to point out that uh, Dave, that it was his um, uh, Premier League debut, something he said he'd been thinking about since he was a five-year-old. And I mean, uh, what what sort of a... What, he, the kid really has a head and his shoulders. It was incredibly... Um, competent is actually the, probably the wrong word. Not quite as swashbuckling, perhaps, as his previous outing, but I thought really solid um, and, and, and looks like a really safe bet and actually very, very uh, uh, energetic and driven in the attack as well so that's uh, a lovely thing for us to see feel free to comment on anything you want to about the Liverpool lineup but I'm going to ask you to focus on Bournemouth um who went with Neto, Max Ahrens and Mepham and Zabarni and uh, Hill. They had Cook and Christie and Sinistera and Tavernier and Clivert and Solanke. And again, they are injury hit and absence hit, as we know. Mm. Um, on their bench, they had Travers, Kelly, Greenwood, uh, Marcond, uh, Scott, who came on, Brooks, who came on, Billing, who I 
didn't see come on at some uh, well then again I had a power cut uh, Kilkenny he came on late with her yeah Right. Okay. So that's exact. I saw more coming on, and the power went dead here because of the inverted commas storm that's happening around the place at the moment. Storm Isha, would you believe, Trev? That's where we are now with the storm names this year. Storm Isha. Isha. Uh, right. Isha. Um. Just, just quickly on Bradley, I, I thought he really grew into that game. I thought Sinistera gave him some problems because he's, you know, he's a nippy winger that can go both sides, he's got good balance. And I thought it took Bradley a little bit of time just to get with the pace of them. And then he ran him off the pitch. Um, and, he, and he was good going forward as well, Connor Bradley. So, you know, very, very promising from that kid today. Um, on Bournemouth, yeah, they are injury hit. Um, you know, when you see James Hill playing at left back, who's a right-footed centre-back, who's never played a game at left-back in his life, to my knowledge, you know that they're they're struggling a little bit. Chris Methan wouldn't be a regular starter for them either. But it's still quite a strong team that he put out. I mean, Lewis Cook and Ryan Christie, they're both solid enough operators. Uh, Tavernier, Clivert, Sinistera, there's a lot of talent and pace in that line. And Dominic Solanke's been one of the best strikers in the league this season, so... You know, it, it's still a good team. The right side of that defence is is strong with Aaron's and Zabarni, who I think is very, very good and has a big future. And when you look at that bench, it's a stronger bench than we've got. Lloyd Kelly, he's, I think, he, I don't know if he's the club captain, and he's definitely the club vice captain. David Brooks is an excellent player. He's still kind of finding his feet after his, uh, his battle with cancer. Alex Scott, for me guaranteed to be a future England regular. I think that kid is going to be really special. Uh, Kiefer Moore came off the bench looking like an extra from Peaky Blinders, which, you know, if you have to. <laughs> and then Philip Billing, who w- would fit in well with, with with our Dutch stoners. Like, he's a big a big guy, huge physique, but he, he plays a lot smaller and he's, he's quite a technical player. Like, you'd see him and you'd think, oh, that lad's probably a bit of a brute. But he's actually, you know, a good technical player, good passer of the ball. And then the, the other subs, I mean, Mercondes hasn't played all year. He's been, he's only back from injury. Kilkenny and Greenwood rarely play. And our countryman, Mark Travers, um, was on loan for the first half of the season. He's now back with them. It's a good team and they're well managed and they're well set up. And they've got built in automations and attack patterns of play that they can go to over and over and over again. And they made it as hard for us as they can, you know, as as they could. It's just we have more talent than they do. We are a better team. We've been together a lot longer as well. You know, their manager only took over in the summer. Jurgen is in what year eight? So all of that extra quality, extra experience, extra continuity, all of that told. Um, but look, to their credit, they gave us a real good good go of it first half. And I have absolutely no doubts that if that manager stays there and he can keep that team together and keep adding piece by piece, there's no reason they can't be battling away for the top half for the next couple of years, you know. And and if they could somehow one year just everything clicks for them, a couple of teams have drop-offs, there's no reason they couldn't do what Brighton did last year and find their way into a European competition because... He is a very, very good manager. Like I, I can see him managing one of the top clubs in the next five, six years. I think he's that level. And there's players there 
that I think will also go on to play for top clubs. Serbani and Alex Scott are the two that stand out most. But Dom Solanke could potentially be next up. I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise if a surprise to me if he earns a big money move this this coming summer. Chelsea are looking for a striker. He can through their academy. Maybe he goes back there. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, more Arsenal, perhaps. That's interesting. Uh, before we start, I have a, a, a question I need to put to you, the, your combined expertise, lads, because I found myself listening, obviously, as I always do to the uh, crowds and the atmosphere and the chants and all the rest of it and the Bournemouth fans on several occasions were chanting about how the emergent godlike genius that is Darwin Nunes was just a shit Andy Carroll and I don't know who this Andy Carroll is who is clearly one of the greatest footballers of all time um, I wonder if you yeah. have any idea who that might be that they're talking about because I don't know who it is and um <clears throat> When we get to the far end. I like right? that even after he scored a second goal, they were, they were still trying to stick to that. It, it, that's the point, right? I, I give them that kind of credit. You know, they, 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 they found an angle. They got, it blew up in their face. And they still had, you know, because I, I think there's some humour in it when they're doing it after he scored two goals. I think it's, a, it's almost a bit of a nod of the cap to him when he scored two goals and made them look stupid that they just go, you know what, fair enough, but we're still going to sing it anyway because we think it's funny. It's generous, but I'll give you, I'll give them that on your behalf. I, I, I hadn't thought of that, but maybe that is exactly what that was. We'll give them that uh, 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 benefit of the doubt. Carl, you and I start the first half, and like, let's be honest, Carl, it wasn't exciting stuff. Um, most of the first half, uh, if not all of the first half, was quite bland. Um, there were a few opportunities of note, but not really a whole lot. And again. In the opening goings, I think they racked up something like three corners in the first five minutes. Uh, on the fourth of the corners, um, they had a moment of something approaching danger where it was driven in and Ali got down at the near post. Um, it wasn't clear whether he got a touch or whether it was going the far side of the post, but I think it went for yet another corner. But anyway, uh, that was about the height of it. Um it was an odd game, I thought. Um, it's some little moments. McAllister, I thought, uh, played a couple of fantastic passes over the course of the game. It's lovely to see that guy doing those kind of things. Uh, one particular driven into Darwin on about 15 minutes, and Darwin cut in and kind of with a heavy touch lost the ball. Um, 
they put together a half decent move in 17 minutes but you know there's no opportunity here there are no shots McAllister is a dig from distance um, it's about a yard wide of the left hand post as he's facing it that was the first attempt of the game and that's like I say about 18-19 minutes Ibu uh, plays a lovely diagonal ball, ball to Darwin on 23 but again he was stopped in his tracks and then Darwin himself has a long range dig our second attempt on 24 minutes, but it's low and at the keeper. And there was a couple of these to follow uh, a lovely diagonal to Luis Diaz on 25 minutes led to a corner, more pressure from us, another corner, a Virgil van Dijk header, more pressure. And then a decent Luis Diaz ball in on 27, which nothing came from. And a great ball by McAllister on 28 into Harvey Elliott. Uh, and Diaz was unlucky not to get the corner from the ensuing flap that happened there. Now, I'm only pausing there. I could drive through all the rest of the first half. But I'm only pausing there as a kind of a nominal point. Because I'd like to get your thoughts on the first half in general. And any of the reds that you want to pick out. Because there's not a lot of incident for us to pick apart. Unless I've missed something glaring, Carl. No, not really. I think you know a lot of this speaks to the fact that we were controlled but careful uh, away from home. Premier League team in form have a real set way of playing. I think that that's perfectly fine. You know, um, I wasn't surprised that they came out fast. You know, we spoke about this in the lead up to the game, and because of all those things that we just said, you know, they're at home and they they have every reason to believe that they can get a decent result given their their recent performances. They were always going to come out quickly, and the only thing for us was whether or not we really reacted to that. And I think we did, to be honest. You know, we didn't really give any chances away. And although we didn't pick up the pace of our own game, we started to get hold of the ball and not really be too worried about their press. And we were pretty controlled in the way we were playing out. I think it was just, you know, as you said before, a pretty consummate away performance, to be honest. It was very, very within ourselves and making sure that we kept the door locked behind us and just bided our time. We got into the game a bit more and a bit more. Um, I think Alexis McAllister's performance in that first half shows why, from a technical perspective, he is just such a good player. You know, his ability to turn into space and then find somebody else in small amounts of space is largely unparalleled in this team, maybe beyond Trent, to be honest. Uh, and we really did need him over this run of games to, to step up in creative and in progressive terms. Uh, really good to see that he did that, especially in the first half. The only two complaints I would really have a lot of the game was being played down our right, their left, uh, and it did leave, you know, Curtis Jones in particular was not really in the game as much as we needed to. And then the front three didn't really link as a unit. They didn't really link with each other, which second half was obviously very, very different. And that's great. But first half, it was just like three forwards playing rather than a line of forwards. Yeah, absolutely fair. And, and Dave, to give you your opportunity to talk about the first half, let me just fill out the remainder uh, of the incidents for what they're worth. There was another long range shot. This time it's Luis Diaz in 34 minutes. Again, it's low. Again, it's at the keeper. Uh, Diaz went down crocked on about 34 minutes after that Cliver leg breaker we spoke about. Obviously, you'll want to probably go back there and, and, and focus on that for a second. Um, it is the first of the moments where you're just shaking your head because of the immediate incompetency of the the, the madly uh, uh, person and then the dope who's watching it with his 15 screens and his cup of tea. Uh, and it just, at this point, is getting a bit silly, but it's not over yet. And we're going to come back to the lads on a couple more occasions. 
on 37 minutes, uh, Jota had managed to recover for his injury. He did really well and squares the ball across the face of goal, uh, but it's just behind Darwin Nunes. Um, lovely ball by Darwin Nunes to Connor Bradley uh, soon after that. And Bradley has an effort which is blocked. Christie had a shot low at Ali on 39 minutes to register their first attempt. Uh, Cliver and Christie followed up with two blocked attempts within a minute. And then a Cliver ball in on 43 was missed by Christie and Solanke. And that was probably their most dangerous moment, I thought, overall. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you add them together, that's one, two, three, and then that dangerous cross, four efforts in about three to four minutes. There was a chance when a ball was put over by Jota, uh, which led to a corner. Two minutes were added, and Ibu headed that corner over. But then it, it, when we saw the replay, it actually came off hill and probably should have been a, a last-minute corner for the Reds. Um so the amount of incident is small. Probably the the thing of most note is how awful that uh, refereeing and then VAR follow up was. Uh, but w- you could say, I think, that the Reds were very disciplined, and we curtailed them to that little flurry they had towards the end of the first half. I don't think that's too one-eyed, is it? No, no, not at all. They had they had that first couple of minutes. They got themselves a couple of corners. Nothing much came from them. Sinistera had a couple of really good dribbles. Uh, Ibu dealt well with the first one. The second one, actually, the second wasn't even his dribble. He he kind of led Bradley back out and then slipped the reverse pass, which led to that cross you mentioned that went right across in front of the goal. They didn't. They didn't have many opportunities. I mean, in the game, they've had one shot on target. You know, we've had seven. They've had one, um, and it's not. I don't even remember the save. So it's not like it was something that tested Allison, um, which I think speaks to the level of performance from the two boys at centre back today. It was that first one they had on 39 minutes, a Christie effort. It's really low shot and straight alley. That's the one. That's it. Yeah. That's the only shot they had on target in the game. Yep. Like we are witnessing the greatest goalkeeper the Premier League has ever seen, the greatest centre back the Premier League has ever seen. And a fella who in a couple of years is going to have a real case that he's at worst a top five centre-back that the Premier League has seen, if he can stay fit. Fitness is the only reason that when people talk about the best centre-backs in England, they don't go Virgil 1, Ibu 2. Because Ibu is the second best defender in the league. But fitness is the only thing that people hold against him. That guy is really special. And for a kid like Conor Bradley coming in, it must be just such a boost to look over your shoulder and realize you've got this colossal, lightning quick, elite level defender who's going to take care. If you make a slight mistake, he's taking care of it for you. You don't need to worry about it. And I, 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 I never feel like we're going to concede when we've got those two. I never feel like we're going to concede. Yeah, no, exactly. It, 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 not just one, but two uh, of these dominant uh, Colossus figures for Nippers to have uh, guarding them as they make their debuts is a, a hell of a place for us to be. Uh, it just did remind me towards the end of the game when we went down injured uh, that we are 
really, really, really needing to get some of our injured players back and some of our, some of our absentees back in the fold because uh, the squad is about as stretched as it can manage to be. One of the things that we've said, I think, throughout the season so far, um, especially recent in recent times, it was a topic of discussion that we had on Mulby in the spot, myself and Jan, during the week, was that this Liverpool team may not be the type that goes out like with the previous front trio that we have and blitz is a team and you know we're 3-0 up in about five minutes and the game's over this is a team that finds ways to win because we have options and we have different uh combinations and Klopp has been using them very well from the bench um we just can't afford uh, if we are to keep this um position uh, that we currently hold for that uh level of choice to be much more diminished than it is it's already really 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 tight I'm really hoping fingers crossed that the two lads who got little knocks today or big knocks today uh, will not be in any way impacted going forward and if we have a look Carl at the start of the second half this is where things start to cook um we did concede an early corner and uh, Joe Gomez had a bit of a cagey moment early on. But then it starts to turn and there was good pressure from us on 47 minutes. And then we have a goal in 48. And it is Darwin. And, you know, like a lot of people... Um, are, are overly simplistic in the way they assess Darwin Nunes. I don't think we are here at all, and we've already acknowledged as much as we can uh, what uh, an important presence he is in the team. But now that he's adding goals, I think Dave tweeted, "Was is it? Am I right, Dave, in saying that's ten and ten goals and assists for ten and ten? He is the fifth, the the joint fourth quickest Liverpool player in the Premier League era." to 10 goals and 10 assists yeah. in a season, which is a hell of an effort. Yeah, exactly. And that speaks yeah. to exactly the, po- the point I was making there in terms of his overall contribution. I mean, that it, no matter what way you're desperate to spin it with your shit, Andy Carroll stuff is not a flop. That is an absolute hit. That is a guy who's uh, worth his weight in gold. And, and Carl, like I said, it's lovely to see him score that goal. It was a nice move, to be fair. Um, Harvey <laughs> almost sold, uh, sold Ibu short, I think for the second time in a f- couple of minutes. But Ibu did well. He got there and his diagonal that he pings towards the box finds Curtis. He takes it on his chest. Does lovely, uh, helps it forward to Diogo Jota, who's raiding in from the right. He squares it to Darwin, and you're looking at Darwin in front of the goal, and we have all of us collective angst, and he just swept it home in a gorgeous fashion, cool, calm, composed. Uh, had a lovely feel to it, that goal, a really nice cloppy or a team goal, which uh, I did very much enjoy. Let's talk about that before you and I go on and have a look at another bit of this half. Yeah, I mean, lovely team goal is exactly right. Uh, we spoke just before coming on uh, live air that we had the fortune or otherwise of listening to Alan Smith on um, <laughs> sports and his you know depiction of the goal, I think, was quite like his depiction of much of every other game he does. Like there are nuggets of truth in it because he literally see- says what he sees, but he overlooks so much and he misses like quite important details, I think. And like the, the, the Jones control and pass there was up there with, I think most stuff that McAllister produced first half, like most attackers bringing the ball down from, you know, quite a, a high long cross field pass like that would 
be safety first, like taking it to chest, turning away from goal to protect from any defender coming out. Jones takes it down into where the space is, and then it's a first-time pass for himself, and it's really well-weighted. Like, Jota's assist is exceptional. That touch is great. Uh, and yes, the finish is obviously very, very good too. But, you know, there wasn't even a mention of Jones because he'd already talked about Canate like 17 times up in up until that point in the match. He wanted to make the point about Canate and that's, you know, that's fine. It was very, very good from him. But that goal is because of Jones, because the goal, the, the, the move, the tempo was sped up there. Bournemouth didn't have any time to reset, didn't have time to get their positions back in. And we hadn't really played at that speed with lots of one touches and running off the ball in the first half. So Perfect start to the second half, obviously, but I do think that uh, Jota and Jones both deserve an awful lot of credit there for the weight of pass, for the for the timing of it, obviously, and, and for the accuracy, which is something that Jota probably in really good areas a lot of the time can sometimes be a little bit short on with his passing, with his little layoffs and all the rest of it. But this one was absolutely spot on. Yeah, he's flying at the moment, and you're dead right. It's important to give Curtis his flowers because there are probably only a handful of players in the team who would have both the confidence and the uh, talent to take that off uh, in the positive way that he did, which led to the goal opportunity. Um, for you and I, we might just go to the hour mark because there are a couple of things here. They had, a, a, after the goal, a deflected attempt and then a corner Um but soon after that, Jota is completely taken out of it. I, I think it's a penalty. I don't see any conversation about it. Uh, the only thing that might have been a conversation was whether it was on the line or just inside. But there was contact with the man and not with the ball. It's deliberate. He's taken out of it. Um, you were talking about Alan Smith, and he was at his uh, finest uh, um underplaying it um, saying there's nothing to it which seems to be the standard 80s and 90s ex-pro take on things now uh, there's nothing in that I, I, I don't really understand what they're talking about because that's not the point it's not the point that you don't need to, to, to stress that you're a tough hard man who's been kicked much harder than that in the old days and you had to get on with it just like I think that's the sort of mind trap that these idiots fall into we're not talking about that we're talking about the game as it is now and the game as it is now states that if you make contact with the man in that way and take him out of it and and and, and stop his 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 his, uh, his progress in that way it is a penalty apparently according to uh someone i follow over on the u.s uh commentary side of things graham lasso actually went out of his way to say that Diogo Jota was looking for that, which is, I mean, that that's that's another example of a lad saying a thing for the sake of saying a thing. It makes literally no sense, as little sense as Alan Smith saying there's nothing in it. There is certainly something in it. Whether you or I or anybody else thinks it's a penalty is a different thing. It certainly was a discussion. And just as well as that moment, just to, to keep going, on 52, Darwin stood up a lovely cross, uh, to the back post and Bradley heads it all the way across goal uh, and just narrowly misses the target and goes out for another corner on 53 minutes there's another opportunity where the ball breaks to Bradley again he has a fantastic dig and it's clawed out of the bottom corner uh, really to the fore there a young Northern Irish man at that point great pressure from the Reds uh, on 54 minutes they try to stanch the, the flow of that with Scott and Kelly coming on for Hill and Sinistera and then there's a series of moments here where I write down the phrase, and again, if, you, if you're in the car with your little kitties, cover your ears here, where I've written down the very insightful comment, 
these refs are bent cunts. I've written it down twice because it just, I can't get my head around how awful they are. Cook, I think, with a real red carder, he gets a yellow, of course, on 58 minutes. It's a stamp on Bradley again who's involved. After a bad, bad foul on, on Bradley, he follows along. Now, the, play, uh, the Liverpool players are disgusted, but nothing. Then Diogo Jota at the far end is harrying Mepham, trying to put pressure on him. I, I, think, I think it's what we call pressing, uh, and he's given a yellow for that. Uh, a foul, sorry, uh, against him for that. And then... Just to finish on the hour mark, a little bit again of added praise for Darwin Nunes, who God knows gets enough of the opposite on the 60 minute mark. Some tremendous work for him. Great defensive cover and a lovely block by Nunes on Tavernier. So let me let you jump in there, Chief. Yeah, uh, I'm going to work backwards, I think, in time because... We can. We're on Raw and we can do what the hell we want, so why not? Yes. Um, from the 60-minute mark then, the one that you've just mentioned there, Darwin sprinting back and getting himself to left-back there was really, really good. Uh, showed three things I would say there. One, the endeavour and the recognition of the danger and that we didn't have anybody in that position, so got him back in there. Um, secondly, showed his absolute zero knowledge of positional sense and how to track a runner because i can't remember who it was was it still tavernier at that time um sort of walked past him passed inside and then sort of walked behind darwin and he completely ignored him and then suddenly it looked like he was back <laughs> in danger again uh but then again his realization and he got himself back in to make that block once more so not not probably going to be a candidate to replace robertson and Simicast for the next couple of weeks at left back positional wise but Honestly, just we, we've had so many of these kinds of players over the last few years who will do whatever is necessary at times. And this was just, you know, a very low key example of it, but a really, really important example of it. It was, you know, more or less still in the balance of the, of the match at that time. And it was just very important that somebody did that job and he recognised that and he did it. Um, I think it was also around this point, maybe just a few minutes afterwards, that our, our crack commentary team, uh, suggested that Darwin Nunes had gone centre-forward. I think it was after the substitutions you've not just mentioned, um, despite the fact he'd been doing that since half-time where we switched Diaz right to left wing and uh, it was basically all change up front. But they overlooked that for the first 16 minutes or so, which was which was very, very nice of them in the, in the second half. Um, right then, there was also another point on just after the, the Nunes block, I think, where Kanate sort of won the ball and turned and I think it was Solanke, one tried to tackle him, then tried to foul him, tried to drag him down, and Kanata just didn't even flinch like nothing had happened, left this Bournemouth player tumbling on the ground and just strode along on his merry way. It was it was very, very nice to see indeed. I think it was Solanke, I'm not sure, but it would, might as well have been like a flea or an ant or anything like that. <laughs> he made a big ebu. He was um, physically imposing, I believe, is, is the correct phrasing for, for today's performance from him. Um, going backwards then, there was a lot of really, really good movement and sort of the sense that we could wrap up the game in that sort of 10 minutes after Nunez's opener, um, which is really good to see that not just because Liverpool do that all the time, but because there were quite a few players here who were not actually in the Liverpool team all the time and they were still trying to do it. They were still getting themselves forward. Conor Bradley, like you said, got himself a couple of chances but he got them because he was getting himself into really good advanced areas and being really proactive about where he needs to be being very 
intelligent basically about where the ball was going to be and and ferocious enough to win it back when it was in open play not just rushing back to his right back position to make sure he wasn't going to make a mistake he was being proactive for Liverpool he was being uh, a very very important part of our tactical approach to winning the ball back in dangerous areas I think that period of the game after the first goal was where you could really start to say like Liverpool are winning and are likely to win because of the way that they're carrying on it's not like Bournemouth just strode back up the other end of the pitch and had like 10-15 minutes of dominance or anything it was very very much a case of us after that one shot that they had straight away Um, and again in that period I thought McAllister was excellent not just with his passing but he made a couple of good tackles uh, interceptions in that period we got a bit more link play from the from the front three as a unit in that period as well and um, probably we should mention he won't get too much attention all the time but when Gomez has a really good game we try to point it out and say why and I think in this period again his overlapping was good his coming into slightly left central channels was good because Jones was pushing a bit wider at times um, just really good support again from both fullbacks if you had to make a definitive call on the two refereeing moments that I mentioned would you say that there's any sort of wiggle room for sort of uh, allowing any scope to Maidley and also his pal then back at VAR over either of them did you think there was clear cut as I did in terms of the foul uh, and the, also the, the penalty hello I'm here to annoy you I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, the Jota one was a penalty no question yeah. about that he steps across him and he trips him up I'm not really sure why there's any debate there um, so the referee has to give that as a penalty but when it's not given as a penalty I don't think VAR give that either um, whether it's because there's a player blocking him off or because it's not a you know a massive challenge or anything like that I don't think that those are the ones that VAR do or indeed should overturn I think that's I don't put too much blame on him for that but it's a terrible decision to not give it in the first place. Um, that's just quite an obvious foul. I'm not really sure, like I said, why there's any discourse about it at all. It's just a trip. If it's in the centre circle, it's given and it's taken within about one second. Like yeah. Nobody cares about it. It's just a trip, a foul, on you go. The fact that it happened in the box just means there's a penalty instead. So I don't really understand not giving it, but there you go. Um, what was the second one, sorry? Cook's foul on Bradley, which was a foul oh. and then a follow-up kind of stamp and stand on him. Yeah, um, I wouldn't have been surprised to see it given a red for aggression. Um, I don't think the foul itself was a red, like, but he could definitely have been booked for that. And then another yellow shown for basically running through his head, which is generally yeah. frowned upon in sport. To be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe a little bit on the on the fence on that one, but it definitely could have been given just for for aggressive behaviour. 
Uh, and it wasn't his first one, to be honest. I think him and uh, Christy and Cook both kind of towed the line there on what they could have been more severely punished for on another day. We have lost brother Hendrik to the storms in the wilds of Cavan and the power cuts. I am hanging on by a thread. So, Carl, you and I are going to have to push on through this ourselves. Uh, and there's lots of detail for us to focus on. The next little chunk of the game, um, my opening note is just to really emphasize how good Bradley is in this second half in particular. Um, there was a great chance on the counter, which Harvey Elliott kind of blew on 62 minutes uh, with a bad delivery. And then on 62 again. We change it up and parole Harvey's for the hook anyway. Himself and Luis Diaz taken off for Gravenberg and Cody Gakpo. Uh, Bradley picks up a yellow on 65 uh, for a high arm. Um, again, sort of a cynical um, stopping a counter attack. Uh, and, you know, at 1 0 up, uh, kudos, I would have said. On 68 minutes, um, Brooks is brought on for Clivert. Uh, but within a minute, we are 2 0 up. And this time it's Jota. And Darwin did very well in the build-up to this. Battled well for a, a lofted ball forward. Uh, sort of got involved in a very uh, physical altercation there. Uh, the ball, from his efforts, scrambles forward towards Cody Gakpo. He pings a, a lovely pass to Diogo Jota at the right post, the right corner of the six-yard box. And his near-post finish is outrageous. It's first time, it's driven, it's right into the only spot that he could at the near-post. Um, one of those ones where when a keeper's beaten on the, near, on the near-post would have finished like that, you, you might grumble, but you can't really grumble too much because of the accuracy of the finish. I'm going to pause it there and just, you may want to comment on the introductions of the lads uh, and the shot of goal before we push on further. Yeah, I think I think the subs were routine ones. I was a little bit surprised it was Diaz who went off, but I think that's probably fair. You know, again, not quite at his best, not quite as impactful one-on-one as you might want him to be. Um, and Elliot's <sighs> I think he was fine today. I think, you know, largely all right, battled well, passing generally okay, but he was never really too incisive in the final third. And you got to remember that, you know, we started this game with the right side of Connor Bradley making his Premier League debut uh, and Harvey Elliott, who's been in and out of the team, Diaz on the right, who has not been playing on the right. So I don't think we could have expected like fireworks from that flank and certainly from Elliott being sort of the one in the middle who's got to knit all of that together. I think he was you know, fairly standard seven out of 10 kind of performance today. So not the kind of outing where he would be delighted with maybe because he wasn't as involved or as influential as he can be at times. But I think he did a good job, basically a decent shift. Um, But I didn't have any problems with him being replaced at that point. Obviously Jones and McAllister playing very, very well at that point in the second half. Um, So it was a fairly straightforward change. And as we've mentioned before, Graham Birch's best performances have generally come on the right-hand side of the the three in midfield as well, where he's able to get forward a little bit more, where he's got a little bit more responsibility on him to get into the box and to carry the ball forward. So that was fine. Uh, And Gagpo switching to the left-hand side is, is a good thing. Like I've said before, I think that's at the minute where we might be able to get a bit more use out of him in terms of a bit more space, a bit more creativity not quite as much emphasis on him having to be physical which he isn't um really good introduction in terms of that pass uh again really nice weight on it really nice direction on it i think that came about two minutes after he had tried to control the ball and toe poked it out of play from a yard from the touchline so quite the uh, juxtaposition there in his two touches um 
And this version of Jota is what we missed for like 18 months because he was, let's be honest, rubbish. After that calf injury against Man City in particular, um, whether it's, you know, it just took him ages to find the real sharpness in his in his athleticism, whether it was, you know, actually muscular or, or, or you know, the fast twitch fibers basically that just needed a lot longer than normal to get back to usual. He was pretty poor. His touch, his acceleration had gone. Yeah, his link play wasn't very good. And obviously a big thing of Jota is that he just gets goals for us from like we saw today, not very many chances. And we've missed that so badly, I think, as having a, a fourth forward, basically. And the last run of games that he's had, he's been excellent in this regard, like really, really close to back to where he was when he was often a starting forward, not just a fourth, but often in the third, uh, often in the first choice three. Um, the finish for this, I don't think there's really anywhere else he could go because the defender was coming across him and obviously the keeper is a pretty big guy, so you can't really go above him either. Um, but when you're in confident form, when you've already scored one or two in recent games, hopefully we're now going to see the same from Darwin. Jota at the minute just knows that if he does hit it well, there's a good chance that that's going in. Yeah, that's kind of the point I was making earlier on too. That we have had this thing this season where the timing of guys coming into the team when other lads have gone out has been good and they've done the job that was requested of them when they've had to. Uh, long may that continue and hopefully the options for Kloppo will increase very steadily uh, over the coming days and weeks. But I just want to run something past you really quickly I always try to keep an eye on whatever's happening on the socials as we're doing the show and I've seen now at least three separate comments from three separate people on my on my timeline talking about um, uh, McAllister in the six and how good he was in that position and I think when you see him today uh, look solid, um, strong in the tackle, forceful um, and with his lovely in- incisive passing, you can understand how a lot of people would say well, Klopp's got it right again. He's done a, he's turned the player into something else, like we've seen many times before. Um, and I wonder, do you think does that uh, does that appe- it's a personal thing, Carl? Does that appease you when it comes to the great number six debate? Um, I mean, I still think Liverpool need a relentless specialist there if we're going to win the biggest games against the best teams, but. You don't always need those players there. Like we're 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 scoring four goals away from home without Mohamed Salah. Let me offer that as an example, right? So you don't need an elite level number six in every single game either. Um, if you have all the rest of the components playing well, and you you know your tactical setup is very good, and you have your other elite level performers doing what they do in their own position, so I think it's a lot easier for Liverpool to get by without a top true number six when we've got Kanate, Van Dijk and Allison performing as they have been. I, I will say that. Like if if Ibu doesn't play the way he does today and maybe Bournemouth get two easier chances on goal and score them both, are there the same comments about the number six being excellent? I'm not really sure. You know, if he's not absolutely on it for the last month and Van Dijk before his, what was it, illness that he had, which forced him to miss a game and then he came back and wasn't great against Fulham. Um, if he hadn't been in the level that he had been, again, do we do we notice the fact that we don't have a, let's say, a 2019-20 sort of era Fabinho? Maybe we do. I think it's not usually too helpful to look at any game in isolation and make sweeping assessments about one position or another position. I think it's always more about you know the the long haul. And I think that there came a point this season when we 
looked at McAllister and thought we weren't getting the best out of him. And there came a point this season when we looked at Endo and thought, are you able to step up in games when we need you to start in the league three and four times in a row? And then before he goes to the Asian Cup, the answer was yes. So all of these things contradict each other at different times. And all I really think it says is that you need all the different weapons available to you if you're going to win stuff. And at the minute, we're getting the very best out of everybody that we can at the right time. Because uh, Alexis had had a couple of off games before his injury, but then he comes back from injury and we're missing other players like Sobers Live started the season on fire. Jones, who had been excellent and obviously has been in and out then due to his own little injuries. And McAllister's now in the form of his season. So, again, not helpful to make sweeping judgments, in my own opinion. We need another six to be the very, very best. Like, I don't think this season so far anybody in Europe has necessarily been as good as we've seen in Europe over the last three, four years. Whether that's still going to be the same in April and May or next season or the season after is a completely different story. So at the minute, with a McAllister at the six, could we win the Champions League if we were in it? Yeah, I reckon so, because we're playing well enough and consistently enough. But that doesn't mean that you just don't need one at any point next summer or the season, the season after or anything like that. I still think that someone who is a specialist in that position will be key in a number of really, really high profile and specific matches. And also maybe you get a lot more out of McAllister by playing him in a different position with runners ahead of him. As ever, uh, insightful as expected. And you're right. Context is absolutely key to any of these discussions and, making statements based on one game is never a good idea. The rest of the match is quite uh, upbeat and entertaining for us. Uh, There is a ball into Solanke in 72 minutes, but his touch is quite heavy. I think it's Brooks who plays it in, uh, and it it spills to Ali who can claim it. Um, We have a couple of sloppy minutes around about that time of the game. But there's a monster kind of a foot-in tackle by Ibu Kanate on the 75-minute mark versus Solanke. Uh, Max Ahrens had cut in from the right-hand side and done some decent work. Possibly could have taken on a shot himself, but plays it to his striker or towards his striker. And Kanate wins the ball brilliantly. And then on 76, the ball came to Curtis from a corner. Uh, he's on the edge of the box. He's in space. He hits a half volley that is absolutely toxically awful. And it's you know it's the opposite of the calm, composed touch and uh, skill that we know that he has. Uh, and then Virgil, it's his turn to be lovely and, and composed against Solanke on 77 minutes. Uh, which led to a corner for them from which nothing accrued. And before you know, Carl, it is 3-0 to the Reds. It's Jota again. This time the ball uh, in comes off the end of a decent move. Um, Bradley uh, and then Jota has a bit of an air swipe um, uh, at the ball. And it's almost as if it's almost as if uh, he is just uh, recalibrating because in the blink of an eye, he's moved to the right and he is hitting the ball before it drops. Uh, It's still a half volley, but he's hitting the ball and arrowing it back across the face of goal to the far corner. It's an outrageous finish. Now, I'm going to take the rest of it together, including goal four. You can pick what you want out of it. Uh, Just the most Jata, the most, the most Diogo Jata of goals. Uh, Curtis went down injured in 81 minutes and um, 
managed to get himself back up. We brought on Clark and Beck for Curtis and Bradley on 82. Uh, and they also brought on a scatter of substitutes, including Kiefer Moore on 82 minutes. That was the point when my power cut happened. And I was uh, sort of out of action from 82 to about 86 or 7. So if anything happened there, you can tell me. Aaron's went off injured. They were down to 10 men then for the last few minutes of the match. Uh, on 89 to be fair to them Brooks was in one versus one with Ali uh, and he has an opportunity to do really a lot better than he does his dink is wide of the goal Ali puts a big paw out big right hand out but he's not anywhere near the ball but probably the fact that it's Allison approaching him is enough in and of itself I would suggest to put the kid off anyway he misses uh, Brooks does Eight minutes are added, and within two of this extra, we go 4-0 up, and it's Darwin again. This time, it's a great deep cross by Joe Gomez from the right-hand side, where he's now operating. And Darwin, coming in from the left at the back post, slides it home with the outside of his foot. A really kind of low volley, where he just meets the ball before it drops, uh, and it pings back across the goal uh, and into the side netting uh, from left to right. At that point, then, within a minute, Ibu Kanati is down injured, having apparently twisted an ankle in 93 minutes. He stands up and gets on with it and finishes the game. Uh, Clark then was taken out by Mepham. I thought it was another penalty, right at the death. Uh, and so we saw more fantastic tracking back by the uh, enigma that is Darwin Nunes on 96 against Kiefer Moore. And he picked up a yellow for it. That's fine. Who cares? So we've got Darwin's goal. We've got Jota's goal, the second by each of them. Uh, and anything else you want to mention between uh, that sort of 75 or six minute mark and the end? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Um, first thing to note, I think, is to combine the two goals and say who needs Trent Alexander Arnold anyway? Uh, two right back assists, neither of them him. Um, obviously, really nice for Connor Bradley to, to play quite an important part defensively, but going forward to show that he's capable of contributing too. Um, I suppose he still gets the assist for Jota, even though Jota sort of had two attempts at it because one, nobody else touched the ball. And if Jota had taken a touch and then shot, that still would have counted as a Bradley assist. So I think that's still fine. That's still a Bradley assist. Um, a weird goal from Jota, but we'd take it, won't we? You know, we don't mind if he has to uh, 
sometimes remind us that he's not the highest technician in the squad, but still one of the deadliest finishers. I think he's probably the best finisher at the club after Salah. Um, but inside the box and you know short range shots and that kind of thing, I think he's probably even better than Salah to be honest. Um, Darwin, this technique that he has of like meeting crosses at the far post with his right foot still, even though it's coming across him right to left, he does it quite a lot and usually seems to be that he like either puts it over the bar or wide of the side netting on his his post. So like he goes near post with it. Um, this one was absolutely perfect and you know right back across goal in off the post almost. Does he score that if he doesn't get the first? I don't think he does. Like we saw in the first half, no, sorry, in the, yeah, it was in the second half and he tried like a volley in midair kind of thing from across and didn't really connect with it properly and then gave away a foul chasing the ball, that kind of thing. Like that's probably the outcome you get from that second goal if he hadn't scored the first goal. But yeah. just like Jota's form recently and he knows that if he makes good connection, it's probably going bottom corner, that kind of thing. It just happens to footballers, doesn't it? You know, they, they suddenly feel good again. They suddenly feel a bit more confident again. The The timing is all there all of a sudden. And well... I think it's very, very good for, for Darwin, very good for Liverpool, obviously. And uh, hopefully this is a little bit of a run now because he's, you know, I know that there's the thing about him not scoring lots of goals over the last couple of months or whatever. But more to the point, I think beforehand we had looked at him as a player who could be a bit streaky. And that's not really been the case this season. Like it's always been sort of three and four or five games in between goals. Um, and then even longer over the last little stretch there. So now that's three and three league games technically. Uh, I know there's been cup games in between, but hopefully that's the start of a, a decent little run he can go on now and an assist in that group as well. So four goals or assists in three league matches. You talk about the timing of the actual uh, con- con- uh, contact with the ball, but uh, again, as a point you're kind of basically making there as well, the timing of the two lads getting two goals uh, in this particular game um, in the context of who's absent, in the context of where we are in the situation that we are at, uh, in the league position that we are with the games coming thick and fast uh, in the latter stages of Cups and uh, all of these things um i think timing's immensely important here so it's just wonderful to think that now we've these two lads who you know might just get us out of a a, a sticky situation if that happens to be the case in the second leg against fulham or in the next fa cup game or if things are tight against chelsea uh to have these two guys uh in this kind of form and you're, you're so right i think uh it does just happen to players uh and the best thing about Darwin Nunes uh, and Diogo Jota is that at no point when they are uh, they can't hit a, a, a cow's arse with a banjo, at no point does their effort level drop off. And they are always just as likely to create havoc and an assist, uh, whether they're in good form in terms of their own finishing or not. So when we've got the whole lot together, it's a very, very nice thing indeed. And we should just bring the, the, the whole thing to a wrap-up then. Like I said, in the absence of uh, young Hendrik to help us wrap it up, we might as well just get your sort of summary thoughts and if there are any little stats or figures that you want to mention uh, just to take us home. Um, I think good use of subs by Klopp is the first thing uh, yeah. at, at decent moments in the game. Uh, obviously we include that in bringing on the youngsters later on. Kate Gordon got a few minutes run out and don't know how many touches of the ball he got, probably not a lot, but who cares? It's getting him involved and showing him that he's in the group. 
Um, Owen Beck, I think there's, there was a little bit of transfer rumor, I think, while I was away. I haven't really read up too much on it, but I unless I'm missing something, that appearance there means that he won't be going back out on loan for the second half of the season, I presume. Um, Bobby Clark, more minutes, did all right, I thought. You know, it's nice to see that despite um, our sum total of two senior players on the bench, outfielders uh, and two goalkeepers on the bench, pre-game Alan Smith was insisting Liverpool have more options to change things from the bench than uh, than Bournemouth do, which is, again, very, very interesting considering the... Uh, senior squad members they had and brought on in fact um never mind alan maybe next game um what else do we want to say darwin nunez right uh, he scored twice so i think it's okay for us to go on a little bit about him today right so he's um got his 10 goals and 10 assists in all competitions this season uh, which was already mentioned he's the first premier league player to do so this season which we should mention um that's also the 100th senior goal of his career for all of the clubs that he's played for and uruguay as well uh, so again, a nice milestone for him. It also brings up 13 goals or assists this season for him in the Premier League from 13 starts. Uh, and while we don't want to overlook some appearances, and we've already talked about how important they can be, and he's got to contribute all the time whether he starts or not, that's a goal or assist every 93 minutes overall. So I think numbers-wise, even though he's missed a shit ton this season, and he has, and that's fine to acknowledge, we can also see that there's still so much there to work with and so much more that we can expect to get from him. You know, this is a very, very talented guy who's still 24 years of age. That's younger than Sadio Mane was when we signed him. You know, I think it's important to keep that kind of context in the development of players, especially in attacking players when we're comparing them to what has come beforehand. Uh, he's going to have a lot longer to work with Jurgen Klopp and with this team and all the rest of it than someone like Sadio did. Um, that, that could not mean anything in the long run, but it also shows that you shouldn't be writing people off because they have some bad games even a year or two years into their career there's still so much to come from him and he's already given us a lot um so just my opinion on him anyway i see a lot in this guy i couldn't agree with you more i I, it's it's exciting and it is uh energizing in a way and it's look i don't think i've seen a player that has imprinted uh, the cop have imprinted more on in recent years and it's just lovely to see that there is actual sort of uh, end product in terms of those key stats 20 major goal involvements that'll do very nicely and hopefully the two today will be uh, the beginning of a run where he'll get that main thing that all strikers want which is the goal numbers up for the season and as we just bring it to a close, then obviously there's going to be a lot from yourself over the next while. Uh, just to let people know, myself and Dave have started and rebooted uh, our Buzz show. Uh, we already have two in the can. We put out the first of our companion series with uh, uh the first episode of True Detective Season 4. We also recorded one on the very controversial recent hit film Saltburn. That will probably come out this week as well, as will the one for Episode 2. So we're just getting in and getting us sort of on the trail of producing these on a very regular basis just to see how it goes and see if we can get some traction with it so be aware of that myself and Jan have started back up with Molby on the spot um, after a couple of weeks off for the big man uh, it was great to get back into that groove on Thursday night um, 
and it was a delayed release for that show because uh, I completely forgot about it because I recorded not one, not two, but three podcasts in the one night and forgot to send it to Guy. So apologies to those of you who are waiting and wondering where the Yan show was. And of course, AIP will continue as will all the usual other things. We'll be back, of course, for Raw um, with a couple of cup games. And I'll apologize in advance for my absence from the next league game against Chelsea, where I will be lucky enough to be sitting uh, probably in what will be a cold uh, Anfield watching us hopefully beat Chelsea so with that said Carl what have you got coming up from yourself just to finish us out um, well um, as you've mentioned I've been on holiday so nothing written at the minute that's for sure um, when I go back I will in the new week I will presumably do something on on the upcoming semi-final second leg um, probably some AFCON stuff as well and uh, in in podcast terms, obviously we'll do one possibly tomorrow if 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 island windiness lets up and allows Dave to speak. Uh, we'll record ahead of Fulham, and then obviously again ahead of whichever our next match is. Would that be Norwich in the cup? I, I'm so out of touch. I got to be honest. Uh, we will have stuff before all the matches and a couple of extra bits as well that people have asked us to do on uh, Discord. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, there are, I think, two cup games uh, between now and the next league game against Chelsea on the 31st. Uh, So we have the semi-final against Fulham, the second leg, and then the uh, FA Cup game you mentioned as well between now and the 31st. We will have Raw for both of those. I do believe Guy uh, is doing the... I was going to call it the Carling Cup, the League Cup semi-final. I think that's how it went. I honestly don't remember. I'm also clueless, uh, Carl, because I've done the opposite of you. I've done too many podcasts, and as a result, I'm very confused. I am an old man. Thanks to you, uh, and thanks to Dave um, uh, in absentia towards the end here. Uh, like Carl says, we just had some technical issues in terms of the storm wreaking havoc on Dave's internet connection there. Hopefully that will be back up and running very soon um guy has since informed me that the buzz for Saltburn will be out tomorrow just to let you know if you want a bit of distraction from the football but from carl matchett from dave hendrick from myself trev Downey, and from producer guy drinkle this is raw we'll be back with you very soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest lfc topics 24 7 sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord you won't regret it you can also follow us on twitter at anfield index and find us on facebook by searching for anfield index Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.